get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Season 6 of TSN Hockey Analytics is here. Can't believe it. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050. Wow, six seasons already for the show right off the top. Huge thanks to all of our listeners that have been with us since day one, finding us on iTunes, on the TSN 1050 show page, on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, following along there, and Instagram, at AndyMC Sports, and Twitter for me, at AndyMC81. Great to be back with you. We'll have in just a moment our typical leadoff man, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. We'll follow that up with some real interesting trends. And big. this is a big season preview show, folks. Okay, We're going to take a big picture. We're going to hover above and look at this NHL season as it's just kicked off. So we'll talk with Sean Tierney about some trends, some charts, some things to keep an eye on big picture. We'll talk Maple Leafs and Atlantic Division with Gus Katsaros. Uh, and then, of course, some fantasy hockey talk with NHL.com. James Harding. So we'll get into some DFS play, some league play as things are just starting up there. We're delivered by Domino's, people. As you know, great hockey food, right? Heck, anytime food, busy during the week, whatever, or just to enjoy some delicious pizza. Go to Domino's.ca, large four-topping pizza, $12.99. I love the mix-and-match menu with the two-topping mediums, the cheesy bread, however you want to mix-and-match things for $7.99 each. Check all of it out at Domino's.ca. And... Going to be giving away some Domino's Pizza as a thank you to all of you. This is all you have to do. I'll remind you throughout the show. You go to Instagram, at AndyMCSports. That's me. You're going to follow me, at AndyMCSports. You're going to like when I put up the TSN Hockey Analytics show link. And you're going to tag two friends. That's it. That's it. In the comment section, tag two friends. Make sure you follow me. Click follow, at AndyMCSports. And click the little heart thing. Like it. And you'll be entered to win a big Domino's Pizza prize pack. Free pizza coming your way. And you enter to win Domino's Pizza prize. Let's get right to it, my guy from TSN.ca, Travis Yost. Travis, welcome back for season six. You are a day oneer, my friend. I, you know what? We're all six years looking back. That's that's quite a while. That's longer than most Hollywood marriages. So uh, welcome back, bud. And I've been in the lineup for so long. I'm the I'm the I'm the beaten down veteran that you're trying to figure out how to get out of the lineup. Like Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> no way. You're like you're Joe Thornton, man. You just keep going. You're Jumbo. Let's go. Yeah, they're like we, this guy's on. They're like this guy's on a legacy contract. You've got to get him out of the lead. Oh, good to have you, my man. Uh, at Travis Yost on Twitter and all his great work all season long on TSN.ca. So you put out a great piece. And I love your the, the season preview. That's what this show today is about. So let's go through the divisions and the projected winners. So you projected the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Travis, I feel for any team, and specifically the Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay got eliminated last year. That was has to be a one-off with all that talent. That That's probably your window that you missed because I don't see Tampa Bay letting that up again. Well, that's the thing. So when I'm when I'm looking at the divisional forecast, like the, the interesting part about Tampa's division, obviously, is you could make a pretty compelling argument that three of the top five teams in the league are in that division between Tampa Bay, yeah, Toronto, and Boston. Um, so even though the divisional race might be very interesting, the playoff race in the division is really not interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it seems very hard to believe, barring some catastrophic change, that it won't be Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto in some order for the three right. guaranteed spots out of the division. 
The, the, the challenge here, though, for Boston and Toronto is, look, Tampa Bay's four-game sweep by Columbus in the first round last year was one of the more unceremonious, borderline embarrassing uh, series losses, at least that I can remember. It's probably since the 4 5 lockout, it's got to be in the top three, um, probably with the Washington series against Montreal, but at least that was a goaltending burner. Um, the Yaroslav Halak series is the only one I can probably put in comparison. Um, but the challenge for Tor- Toronto and Boston is they have to close a minimum 21-point gap from last season against a team that is as good, if not better, from a personnel standpoint than they were where they were a year ago. That you know they you know a lot of their offseason was spent about retaining talent, but I mean they signed Braden Point to this comically friendly deal, yet another one in Tampa Bay. The lineup is just so flush with scoring, and and one of the things that that really blows my mind about this Lightning team, especially again in contrast to a, a really strong defensive team like Boston, a really strong offensive team like Toronto. No team couldn't could even come close to replicating the attack that they generate, both at even strength and on the power play. Uh, Tampa Bay was a near lock for pretty much a three or four four goal offense every single night last year, and we have zero reason to believe that no. that will continue. And the reality is, it, it, Tampa Bay is just going to be able to outscore any deficiencies that they have. Of which there are very few to begin with. <laughs> to so begin with. Tampa Bay's not only Tampa Bay's not only the favorite in the division, they're probably the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at this point. They they gotta be. And you have a chart in the uh, TSN.ca article comparing uh, power play goals per sixty and even strength goals per sixty. And you see, uh, uh, every other team in the NHL seems all kind of in the middle. And then you look up and to the right, and it's like, oh, there's Tampa Bay, and that outlines your point. If you want a visual of what Travis is saying here, folks, check out that article because you just see Tampa Bay up there, and you're like, oh. Oh man, they're not. No one's even close. It, it, it remind the, the only thing I could, I could have compared it to. I think it did the article was those famous like Steph Curry interactions yes. where it's like, oh, this is how good of a three point shooter Curry is, and they show all the nineties and two thousand three point. Uh, but you know Reggie Miller, Steve Kerr's, and these guys were making three four threes a game, and Curry was making three four threes a quarter for like four years. Oh my gosh! Okay, let's. So the Atlantic is going to go to Tampa Bay. Let's go to the Metro, and this projected winner. Not the Washington Capitals, but the Carolina Hurricanes. And Travis, you pointed out, I think very correctly, that team has really been a, a possession number monster and analytics darling for so long, but they haven't been able to buy themselves a save with the goaltending situation. They've upgraded there, and the Hurricanes, boy, if they can get some good action in between the pipes, that could be your division winner. Literally, the story with Carolina last year was, was oh, we're going to give you average goaltending. And I think me and you had been talking about, hey, what if Carolina got average goaltending one season? What would it actually look like? Yeah. And what it actually looked like was a bona fide playoff team that, oh, by the way, I think they only finished four or five points back of the entire division last year. Um, despite shooting, like, you know, again, bottom five percentages, and some of that's by strategy. But look, Carolina's returning a playoff roster that was only a couple wins shy of winning the division in the first place. There is a compelling argument they're one of the three or four best even strength teams in the entire league. They're out shooting teams 57 to 43 pretty much every single night. Uh, and on top of that, their offseason was super interesting because, you know, Carolina, if there's one flaw with the roster construct there, is that they don't have obvious superstar talent, right? Like, mm-hmm. we know a couple guys are coming. Sebastian Ajo might already be there. Tara Vinen might already be there. They're, they're on the fringe, and those are internally developed and homegrown. But there's not like that bona fide superstar in the lineup. So 
what are they doing? Well, they're, they're building around those, those two fixtures on their first line with a lot of productive, top, especially top nine forwards that they went out and sourced this summer. So guys like Brock McGinn and Eric Halla and Ryan Dezingle. I mean, these guys are proven 2025 goal scorers in the National Hockey League. And Carolina just went and sprinkled throughout their lineup, a lineup that was already getting just comically strong results uh, at even strength for three, four seasons, but most especially last year. I, if you just kind of look at the Carolina depth chart, um, it, it's it's really hard, especially in the forward ranks, to find a hole right now in that in that lineup. And again, sounds if 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 that verbiage sounds pretty similar to Tampa Bay, I, it's because it is. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put Carolina in the same field as as the Tampa Bay team. Of course, I, I think they lack the one thing that they don't have that Tampa Bay has in spades is a lot of high end individual shooters. But it's just you you can't get the puck from Carolina. I, I've never really the only team that really it reminds me. Uh, has that, that I guess Carolina would remind me of is that like 2007 to 2009 2010 Detroit Red Wings team. Right now that that was a Stanley Cup winner, but it, it, again the talent a little bit more, especially on the blue line. Uh, but the way they own the puck, that's the only comparison that you can you can you can ring to. And I, Carolina and Washington was very close to call it for the division. Where I where I rested my laurels though, and I I just couldn't get I had to keep going back to the playoff series and 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 some of the matchups that Carolina and Washington had last year. The question always became the kind of the shot quality of Washington versus the volume of Carolina, and more often than not, the volume won last year. So I I kind of want to hitch my wagon to that again. I really consider Washington, but I, I'm going to give Carolina the slight edge this year. Carolina with the upset. Travis, you know what? We'll hit pause on the uh, division previews here, and we'll pick up with the Central and Pacific next week, just so we don't rush, because you got some great stuff on there. I like it. And people, you know what? Find this article on tsn.ca. Travis t- tweeted it out as well. We'll tweet it out from the at TSN Analytics account, but follow him at Travis Yost. Thanks, buddy. We'll do it again next week. Season 6! All right, take care, Andy. All right, there he goes, Travis Yost. Man, six seasons with Travis. What a, what a guy. One of the be- And you know what? Probably one, for my money, the most underrated um, hockey analyst. Just the smart but easy way he makes his articles on tsn.ca. Great charts in there as well, so check that out. Speaking of charts, we'll talk with at Charting Hockey, Sean Tierney coming up after the break, and we'll get to Gus Katsaros to talk some Maple Leafs, as well as some fantasy hockey tips from James Harding. All that coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050. Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. TSN Hockey Analytics, Episode 1, Season 6, here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you get us on Twitter, at AndyMC81, the show at TSN Analytics. Remember, folks, we're delivered by Domino's Pizza at Domino's.ca. Go find yourself a great deal. But I'm going to be giving away some Domino's Pizza. All you do, head over to Instagram, follow me at AndyMCSports. When I post this TSN Hockey Analytics episode... 
in the feed, in the post, click like, tag two friends, that's it, and you're entered. You just got to follow, like, tag two friends, and you're going to be entered to win a great Domino's Pizza prize pack. Well, let's head on over to the Domino's Pizza delivery line and chat with our buddy, Sean Tierney. Sean, welcome back for season six, my friend. And let's listen. Let's let's start out with some shoutouts. Director of analytics for the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, thanks very much. It's um, something that the team and I have been working together for a couple of seasons, but we decided to make it official and uh, put it up in the Twitter bio and all that sort of thing for this year. So. Yeah, excited for uh, another really good season for the Bulldogs in the OHL. So uh, sometimes you see at the the uh, um, either minor league level or developmental level different strategies, techniques that get used or tested and then get eventually brought into the pros. Just where you've seen things develop in the OHL over the past couple of years and heading into this season, where are they at using advanced stats, tracking and that compared to the National Hockey League? Right. And it's something that, uh, like, you know, interestingly, I can only go so far now, now that it's, um, you know, public and uh, part of it is the the edge of having inside information. Um, I think just, you know, the sort of big picture stuff that um, any hockey stats follower uh, probably sort of realizes at this point is there's a big gap in the data that's available at the NHL level versus any sort of other league around the world right now. And so, you know, for people working in developmental leagues and in junior leagues, the challenge really is, you know, finding that data or tracking that data and uh, coming up with sort of that database. You can start to make the decisions that in some ways we take for granted at the NHL level because, you know, although we want tracking data and all sorts of things we don't have yet, there still is a lot to work with at the NHL level, and that's just not the case in other leagues. So, um, you know, the, the exciting part of the job is identifying, you know, what sort of data you can even get at that baseline so you can right. start to do the important stats work that you want to do. So anyway, yeah, that's the, the challenge, and we're sort of excited to get back at it this year. And what I'd love to write on your Twitter bio, you make it so easy. You got, okay, Director Van Licks for the Bulldogs, but then my favorite part, the link to your charts, which are, are just tremendous, Sean, because you're you're able to provide the information but make it really relatable to even the casual hockey fan to, okay, these are all these numbers or pictures or whatever, but this is why it's important. This is what it means. Um, leading into this season, were there any kind of outliers? You have charts up now. I'm looking at skater charts, team charts, shot maps, and all that. Anything you put together heading into this NHL season that, that kind of stood out to you as far as either outliers or trends that interested you? Yeah, so one thing that I was doing just in the lead-up to the season even this week was collecting preseason projections from a variety of different sources at the team level, just sort of getting that sense from different sources. How do we expect the the season to play out? Which teams do we see in the playoffs? Which ones do we see clearly out? So, you know, I was collecting from Dom L at the athletic and evolving wild, which is a site I use for a lot of my data, uh, Micah from hockey viz money puck on and on and on. And I compiled these all into a chart to take a look and get some averages and, you know, some teams came out in a really interesting way. I think everyone sees the Atlantic as another death division again, and uh, any Leafs fans that are listening now, it's kind of that same old, same old, where Tampa yeah. and Boston kind of unanimously are seen as the top two teams, not just in the division, but probably league-wide going into the year. And then Toronto is in that third slot right behind Boston, basically dead even with them. So, you know, if you're a Leafs fan, you kind of can see already it's 82 games or 81 games now away but it's probably a collision course for these two teams in the first round again, which is kind of interesting. I think, uh, you know, Vegas, 
uh, St. Louis, Nashville, a few of those teams were, you know, pretty unanimously seen as really strong teams coming into the year. But a couple of teams jumped off the page as ones where people really aren't sure. And one that interests me a lot right now is the Minnesota Wild. Hmm. They went through a super strange offseason, you know, the firing of Fenton and uh, really sort of a change of regime there. Um, and so the roster is kind of one that's in flux, and no one's quite sure. I had them as low as in the sort of high 70s for points this season at season's end and as high as the low 90s. And so, you know, it's a real wide gap, and I'm, I'm really interested to see where does that team fall. And sort of a second one that I've got my eye on is the Chicago Blackhawks, another team where in some projections they're a playoff team, and in some they might be looking at the lottery again this year. So, you know, preseason projections are fun, and once you start getting the games, you start to see a clearer picture. But heading into the season, just a couple of teams that people aren't really sure how to put a thumb on them. In conversation with Sean Tierney on Twitter at Charting Hockey. Now, if you go to the uh, your charts link in your Twitter bio, you got some charts up. As I said, um, one I wanted to ask you about team shot rates. Now you have dull, good, bad, and fun. Um, now the, the the fun aspect. How does how do you categorize that? What does that mean? Right. So these this terminology I borrowed from the great Micah Blake McCurdy ah, several years buddy. ago, and yep. he uses the same language as, as I do here. Uh, and so the idea is, if you're looking in the, the fun sort of quadrant on that chart, what you see is teams that are generating a ton of shots for themselves, and that's really good. We know that teams that generate a lot of shots for generally score more goals, and that's the key to winning hockey games. But the fun quadrant is for teams that also allow a lot of shots against. Mm. And so these are teams that, you know, it's kind of fun as an observer, probably maybe not fun if you're a fan of one of these teams <laughs> because you're watching your team get all their chances, but giving it all back going the other way too. So, uh, you know, the Leafs are kind of uh, one of the, the classic members of this quadrant where they get all their attempts for, but they've generally allowed a ton against and leaned on Anderson heavy to keep them kind of in games. Um, Carolina is another one that kind of flirts with that category uh, at times. And so it's a, a really interesting quadrant to watch as a hockey fan. It's usually uh, good teams and good games to watch because you know you're going to get to see lots of shots going in both directions. Right, and you have the Arizona Coyotes. And, that, and why don't you explain what the fun was? That kind of makes sense. They're in the... <laughs> They're in the fun category, but they're kind of underneath in the in the good category. And that is uh, Corsi four per sixty, and then CA per sixty uh, there. So that that's uh, and, and you know what the Maple Leafs are kind of in that that spot where they're high on the the good end when it comes to team shots, and just just above the line on the fun side too. So they are. I think if you're a fan for just pure entertainment, that's that's probably the sweet spot where like the Toronto, Winnipeg, Buffalo side is. You're gonna it, it, essentially you could be setting yourself up for a wild night. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the caution in the qualifier is, of course, anytime you're under um, five, ten games of data, this stuff's going to move really quickly. Um, but within the next couple of weeks, you know, this is something to follow along with. Once we get past ten games or so, mm-hmm. once we get into that kind of third week of the season range, this stuff will start to settle in uh, for teams at the team level into the range that they'll probably stay uh, for a while or for the remainder of the year. So, you know, right now it's real, real, real small sample size, but it adds up really quickly and it'll be fun to track to see if the Leafs are that same kind of beast that they've been in the past or uh, if they really have shored things up defensively, which I know is one of their off-season goals. Now, Sean, we know you're you're out of Ottawa. You're an Ottawa guy. Um, what should we expect out of the Senators this year? It's a really... It's been a, a sad off season. I think the, the Melnick news bits here and there are kind of, you know, 
cast a bit of a dark cloud over the team at times. Um, and, you know, no preseason projection that I compiled or, or my own had them anywhere other than last place in the NHL this season. And so, you know, going into the season, you're expecting a lot of losses. You're expecting Craig Anderson to be shelled night in and night out. Um, but I think there was a bit of positivity, maybe a, a glimmer of optimism as the offseason closed. The Thomas Shabbat signing signaled that maybe the team is finally ready to identify some core pieces, lock them up. Colin White probably isn't a top-line player in the NHL, but they lost him up too. And so I think for Sens fans going into the year, the real hope is that there's a lot of young talent. Uh, the prospect pipeline has lots of good players in it. I think Brandstrom is another one on defense that uh, fans are excited for. So you just really hope that the Senators give their young guys a chance to get out there and get some development, and you don't worry too much about wins and losses, get another high draft pick, and then maybe this is the team that, as of next year or within the next two years, starts to trend back up. But, right. you know, looking into this season, it's going to be a year of development, and I, no one has this team anywhere but 31st, and, and I agree with that assessment. It's a really thin roster, um, and, and so you just hope young guys get some chance to develop this season. So watch a lot of OHL for possibly the next group of Senators, right? There you go. It all intertwines. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> couldn't agree more. <laughs> Sean, love having you back on, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Andy. There he is, Sean Tierney, doing Director of Analytics work with the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs and terrific NHL stats, charts uh, that you can find links to on his Twitter at Charting Hockey. We will take the break and do a little bit of a deep dive into the Maple Leafs and the Atlantic Division with Gus Katsaros. That is next on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050. TSN Hockey Analytics Season 6, Episode 1 here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. You could also be listening online at the tsn1050.ca link there or on iHeartRadio, iTunes, of course. Subscribe and rate us on that, as well as the show page tab on tsn1050.ca. Get us on Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN Analytics. And I have a Domino's Pizza Prize. I'm in a good mood, folks. It's Season 6. Okay, so I want to reward our great listeners. This is how you win Domino's Pizza Prize, okay? So just go to Instagram, at AndyMCSports. Follow me there. When you see the TSN Hockey Analytics post up of this episode, okay? So I'm going to put it right in the, in the feed. Uh, click like, okay? Then tag two friends in the comment section. That's it. So follow me, at AndyMCSports on Instagram. Click like on the Hockey Analytics post. Tag two friends. Boom, enter to win a Domino's Pizza prize pack. Now let's get into some Toronto Maple Leafs talk, some big picture views of the Leafs and of the Atlantic Division. He does great work with McKean's Hockey, with Roto World, Gus Katsaros. Gus, we just talked with Sean Tierney. He's working for the OHL Hamilton Bulldogs. You're Owen Sound Analytics Director, and people can follow you on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, along with your great work with McKean's Hockey and Roto World. How's it been working with Owen Sound? Um, well, it's it's been great so far. We're we're moving forwards with uh, um, some of the things that we've discovered that we would like to further investigate, and um, it's going to be a, an interesting challenge, at least for this first year. And then we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Having a lot of fun so far, two weeks in, but I'm sure that there'll be other challenges along the way. 
So with that, and obviously you can't get into team-specific stuff, but just from what we know is used in the National Hockey League compared to what is available tracking-wise, either technology-wise or, or just information that's been gathered previously, where are things at kind of with Owen Sound and at that level of hockey? Well, there are clear gaps um, in data. So there's some of the things that we need to that we have identified first are those gaps, um, and we need to try to fill and figure out how to do that. Right. Um, so there's planning that's been taking place to make sure that we have the adequate data to be able to contribute something to coaching staff, scouting staff, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's just a work in progress, and, and these are just the baby steps. Gap analysis first, and then starting to fill all that. Then you get going. Love it. Uh, Gus, just before we came on, yeah. um, you, uh, listen, we're going to talk lots of Maple Leafs. I want to begin with a hot take. You think a team that's been, well, uh, let's say uh, terrible for the last number of years is going to make the playoffs. Who is it, and tell me why. The only thing that maybe gives me a little bit of hesitation on this is um, Arizona. I think Arizona is, has retooled enough up front um, that they're able to compete, not just with the teams in their division, but they'd be able to compete for um, a Stanley Cup playoff spot. Wow. Um, bringing in Kessel, Phil Kessel, was one of the things that I think solidified one a better power play. Um, and what it also did is Arizona was really hurt with a lot of long-term injuries at different points of the season last year. Um, you have an underrated player in Nick Schmaltz. They brought in Carl Soderberg, which provides a little bit of a, I hate using the word two-way because I think that that's an, uh, an antiquated concept at the moment, but um, he brings both an offensive and defensive element to that forward group. Also versatility up and down the lineup. Um, they retooled and, 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 and really focused on trying to bring a lot more scoring elements. And that power play last year was dreadful. Mm-hmm. As an example, Derek Steppen, a very talented and skilled player, had three power play points last year. If only simple regression brings him back into the double digits, that's going to create um, better fortune for Arizona overall. The defense is mobile. It is current. It is using current ideologies of what a mobile defense and what an NHL defense should look like. Um, goaltending is my only little um, sticky point. I'm not really convinced that they have elite enough goaltending or even average enough goaltending um, to kind of carry them through. They're going to have to ensure that they can balance a good scoring with proper defense and then hopefully that they get average goaltending, they'll make the playoffs. Wow. All right, there you go, folks. You heard it. Gus Katsaros, Coyotes, playoffs, book it on Twitter, at Cats Hockey. All right, let's get to the Maple Leafs, baby. Let's go. Uh, now, listen, we know last number of years it's all been about the blue line. How can the defense get better for Toronto? Well, Tyson Berry's been added. Cody Cece's been added. Sanding's in the lineup. What do you let's let's take the, the big picture from the the off season and and with these additions the projections for the Maple Leafs blue line are you are you bullish on this on this decor? Well, I, I think what the Leafs have done. I mean, in essence, Tyson Berry kind of replaces Jake Gardner. Right. At the right. same time, it still follows the philosophy of what the Leafs are trying to do in in efforts to to build that blue line. It's not like they're bringing in big, bruising, hulking defensemen. That is, again, an antiquated notion. The, um, a modern-age defenseman is more of a rover. They need to be able to contribute offensively, jump into the rush, um, play off the point, and contribute off the cycle when the puck comes to the point in the offensive zone. Um, there are elements of a defenseman that are quite offensive. 
So that's what the Leafs have brought in, and that seems to be the uh, the rock that they're building their defense on. Players like Tyson Berry, players like um, Sandine, who's able to jump in and rush and provide some offensive elements, even Timothy Lilligren to the degree that um, it may not necessarily have the same type of potential. Uh, potential, but uh, the skills that they've looked at and identified um, that they want to build on from their defenseman, he contains all of them. So the philosophies moving forward, they are not going and trying to become a better defensive team. They're just trying to increase that mobility and get pucks up to forwards. And if the Leafs have the puck, then that means they don't have to worry too much about defense. Having said all of that, I don't really think that they've improved very much defensively from last year. And my biggest concern would be that if Frederick Anderson is not an elite level goalie, they're going to struggle a lot of games. There's going to be a lot of six, five scores or, or, or changes in scores along the way. And, and, and they're going to have to heavily rely on their offense to build and bail them out of situations where they're just unable to um, compete defensively. I think that we're going to see a lot of the similar st- styles from last year, just with a bit of a different cast. Well, Gus, I think the one plus side, if you're a Leafs fan, you have to at least hope that the building through the draft, bringing up through the minor league system, that's how you're able to keep costs down, especially with Kyle Dubas spending all that money on the big dogs up top. So if you can get solid production and see growth throughout the year from Sandine, from Lilligren, that's the, the, the core, even if they're bottom-pairing defensemen. Okay, those are manageable, entry-level contracts that you can count on to have a savings where you don't have to go out and pay a bottom-end veteran a higher salary because these are, are grown within players. Absolutely. And what you probably will end up seeing is that core group of players that they've dedicated big contracts and big money and term. Um, and I would figure that Morgan Riley at some point will eventually hit that uh, that hurdle as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it seems like they, they just keep building on that same philosophy on the blue line. To your point, they can um, inject younger players at cheaper contracts as long as they fit the skill set that they're looking for on that blue line. Um, and it seems like they've identified those type of players, even as they've drafted, even in acquisitions, Tyson Berry being another one. And that was a very expensive acquisition. I mean, Hazem Kadri is a very good player, so sure. giving him up um, creates a hole up front that they're going to have to fill with another inexpensive contract. So, yeah, there is going to be a little bit of juggling going on but I, I think that for the most part and again it, it's it's difficult to gauge results after just one season at the helm for Kyle Dubas I think now what we're seeing is okay the philosophy is the same mm-hmm. the players the skill sets they're all similar to what we've seen over the last year maybe even the last year or two um, how are these things going to portray and how will they play out as the Leafs kind of build and and try to get to that point where they're able to contend for a Stanley Cup I mean last year from the end of the um, the first round, I, I've had a lot of people say, well, they need to win that first round. They need to get out of the first round. Uh, I think that the Leafs were competitive enough over that seven-game series where that maybe in the second period of game seven, they just things started to falter. Um, but they played well. They were physical. Their blue line stepped up when they had to. Goaltending was on key. They were able to score key goals. It's not like they felt a rollover and just gave the Bruins the win. They were competitive enough mm-hmm. to, to put them on the ropes. And the Bruins ending up going to the finals is a good indication that if the Leafs find a little bit of luck on their end going into the playoffs, along with some of the strategic moves that they've kind of tried to uh, commit to building a Stanley Cup contender, I think that they'll be just fine. Okay. 
Uh, last one for you here, guests. In conversation with Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey, Road World on Twitter at Cats Hockey. Give us just a little, a little taste, a little uh, view into one of your recent articles on Road World. You wrote about zone entries versus dumping the puck in, and that's one of the kind of the great ongoing debates. So can you just give us a little, little sample of, of maybe some uh, updated information or what you're seeing trend wise across the league there? Well, it's pretty clear that the idea of dumping in the puck um, doesn't create. Um, as many shots and then scoring chances and then goals as if you're able to get in through the blue, get over the blue line with possession. Control possession puts you in a position or at least puts teams in a possession to be able to be creative, to be able to score off the rush or set up in a cycle or the door is wide open for whatever strategy they want to use as long as they're able to control the puck. Having said that, a puck dumped into the corner strategically to create a race um, or to, to pivot a defenseman to force them to move and change their change their direction, which will slow them down. These are all elements of strategic play. So to me, dumping in a puck to an area where they feel that they can either contain the battle or be able to, to win that battle and win the puck back to create a scoring chance, that to me is okay. But clearly the era of a player skating up to the red line and then dumping the puck in and then players trying to retrieve that, that's more detrimental in today's right. day and age, specifically because more defensemen are much more skilled. Forwards are much more skilled. The structure and video is much more sophisticated. Teams know how other teams are playing and they can pinpoint certain things. Um, so the main point here is, a lot more teams are buying into the idea of having controlled zone entries and zone exits. Those are going to lead to a lot more scoring, and, uh, at, at least shot generation and better scoring chances. Um, that's going to potentially lead to more offensive games. And from a fan's perspective, the entertainment value is just going to be that much better. If you start watching teams that are just dumping in the puck and trying to recover and recover and recover, they're very, there isn't a lot of value in, in using that as a strategy. They need to kind of move ahead um, and adopt um, some of these um, elements that have been, I guess, proven over and over and over. The, the value of zone exits and zone entries has really diminished the value of that defensive defenseman, the big, un, the big um, um, bruiser guy. We'll just call them bigger defensemen. Yeah. yeah, the bruiser guys, they're done. Man. There's no way that they're going to find a place in the league anymore. You need to be mobile. You need to be able to get into the blue line. You need to be able to support the offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to be able to do that, teams have gone away from that defensive defenseman. Those big bruisers are gone. And we're going to see a much better game throughout the neutral zone, quicker, faster, more offensive, more creativity. Um, and I think in the end, again, it's the fan that should should get the best um experience out of all that because the entertainment is going to be incredible yeah yeah you you got to have that hybrid and not that mid 90 style of dump and chase with the with the uh, big pylon defender so um great stuff as always guys thank you so much we'll, we'll talk to you real soon the pleasure is always mine Andy. thanks for having me on there he is, Gus Cutseros from McKean's Hockey, Roto World, and doing some analytics work with Owen Sound as well. All right, time for some fantasy hockey tips. We'll get in. If you any NHL fantasy questions, advice you need, the next segment is the place for you. Contributor to NHL.com, fantasy expert James Harding joins me next to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics. 
Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. Season 6 debut episode of TSN Hockey Analytics NHL Season Preview. I'm Andy McNamara, getting ready for a long National Hockey League campaign. And you know what, folks? As you know, we're delivered by Domino's. Get a large four-topping pizza, just twelve ninety nine. Perfect hockey food, right? Big game? Grab yourself a Domino's. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. And since it's the beginning of the hockey year... It means there's a lot of fantasy hockey questions, topics, details, who to add, who to drop, whose hype is real, whose hype is not. So just like last year, we're going to my guy, does great work with NHL.com, James Harding, for some fantasy tips. Caught up with him a little bit earlier. James, great to have you back for another season, brother. How you doing? Oh, and, you know, I've been counting down the days for hockey season to start, <laughs> and I've been counting down the days since the end of last season for when I was going to be back on the radio with you, my good friend. Awesome, buddy. Awesome. Love it. Glad to have you back on. On Twitter, of course, folks, send your fantasy hockey questions to at jharding underscore hockey. Okay, you know what we all love? Beginning of the season, we want sleepers, right? We know Sidney Crosby's going to be great. We know McConnick David, awesome app, but we want sleepers. So let's go through each position group and give me your top sleeper going into the season um, and then maybe sprinkle something maybe for this specific week as far as DFS and DraftKings lineup goes. But uh, let's start with the wingers. G- give me, uh, give me a, a, a winger sleeper we should be keeping our eye on. Yeah, and and uh, a bit of a recent development out in Chicago right now forced me to kind of switch this pick. Um, I, I love Alex Nylander. You know, mm-hmm. you guys up in Toronto, you're very familiar with his older brother yeah. who may or may not have had a contract issue sometime in the last year oh. or two. Um, but I, I think that uh, Alex Nylander, you know, he just never settled in Buffalo. Um, he always showed well whenever he got into the lineup at the NHL level, um, but he just never put it together consistently. Uh, but last season, he had uh, four points, two goals, and two assists, and 16 shots on goal in 12 games with Buffalo. In the off season, he was traded to Chicago and. Now he finds himself in what some people might call a prime placement between two unknown guys named Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. Not bad. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of those two, yeah, but yeah, apparently yeah. they're pretty good at hockey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Nylander finds his, himself starting on the left wing for the Chicago Blackhawks in their top line right now with Kane and Taze this season. So I think if he's able to uh, stay there, even if they do shift that line around and maybe drop Kane down to that second line with Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrincat, um, like they did at certain points last season, I still think with the exposure to just Taves, Melander has 40 to 50 point potential. But if he's able to stick there with both Taves and Kane for the entire season, I think he easily has uh, a 50 to 60 point ceiling 
and that would definitely, definitely pay dividends for fantasy owners to jump on him right now. Oh, no doubt. And what do we say in fantasy, James, right? Opportunity equals success. It's going to give you the chance. You're going to get a lot of playing time. You're going to get a lot of uh, opportunities to produce. So love that sleeper. Uh, what about a center? You know, center, and there are a number of candidates out there right now, but one candidate in particular that I, that I really like because of an off-season addition is Derek Stepan out in Arizona for the Coyotes. He's going to open the season centering the first line between uh, Clayton Keller and newly acquired winger Phil Kessel um, out, out there in the desert. So a lot of people thought that Nick Schmaltz, who had a very solid season last year after the trade from the Blackhawks, could get that slot. They're going to start him on the second line in the left-wing position, but again, he is dual-eligible in Yahoo, and they did have him uh, centering the first line last year before his season-ending knee injury, but right now, Stepan is going to get the nod to be the front-line center for the Coyotes this season, and if he can hold that position between two dynamic players, and especially a dynamic scorer like Kessel, uh, you know, Stepan has always been a good setup guy, a good assist guy. Um, I, I really think that he has the potential to be in that, you know, 35 or 40 assist range and pop in probably 15, 20 goals with two players who are of the skill level of Keller and Kessel out there in Arizona. So I like Derek Stepan starting the season as a center sleeper. Loving that. You can slide them right in. Now let's go to defense as we're talking about season-long fantasy hockey sleepers with James Harding. Who's a, who's a D-man we should watch for? Yeah, and I, I'm heading down to Nashville. Um, I, I love oh, nice. Ryan Ellis this season from the Predators. He had an NHL career high, 41 points, played all 82 games last season. He's had a minimum of 32 points in each of his last four seasons. He had an NHL career high 16 goals three seasons ago. Um, you know, he dropped last year to only seven goals, but I think easily attainable for him to get into double digits this season. I think with the off-season trade of P.K. Subban and the addition of Matt Duchesne, uh, that offense is going to be a lot more spread out. I think with him getting top-line minutes, Next to Roman Yossi on the first defensive pair, he's also going to start the season quarterbacking the second power play unit on the point with Dante Fabro. So I, I like Ryan Ellis this season. I think that he easily can get more than 10 power play points, and I think that he's a lock for between 40 and 50 points on the blue line right there for the Predators, again, coming off of a 41-point campaign, I think with a better offense and an expanded role, he's more in line for about 45 to 50 points uh, if he hits his full potential. But I really love Ryan Ellis this season to have a breakout year in fantasy. Go grab Ellis. Now, in between the pipes, your top sleeper in goal. And this one, there are a number of candidates out there right now, um, but one that I really like, and, and you know, a lot of people are higher on this team than than I am, and it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, but I'm looking at their new starting goaltender, Eunice Corbisalo. Um He he got a lot of playing time last year, early in the season when Sergei Bobrovsky was struggling. Obviously, we know Bobrovsky leaving, heading down to South Beach, taking his talents down there. Um, <laughs> going to the Florida Panthers, but 
I think that Corpusalo, he's going to start the season as the number one guy. Um, their backup, Elvis uh, Merzlikens, coming over to North America. He's been playing the last few years over in Switzerland. I think that they're going to give him time to develop. He is the top goaltending prospect in the organization, but I think until he gets comfortable over here, you're going to see Corpusalo get the nod and be given the chance to run with it. So I think just for the sheer workload that he's probably going to get at the start, um, he's definitely my top sleeper. But there are a few guys. Mackenzie Blackwood from the Devils. Thatcher Demko up in Vancouver, I think, is going to be pushing Jacob Markstrom very, very early on. And, of course, Darcy Kumper coming off the season that he did last year for the Coyotes. Auntie Ranta is a little banged up to start the season. So I think Kumper is going to be in the handcuff there with Ranta and could actually outstart Ranta uh, this season. But right now, I, I like Corpusalo as my top sleeper in net. In conversation with James Harding, hockey fantasy contributor to NHL.com on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. All right, for those are season longs, but what about for the upcoming week of DraftKings DFS plays? In the next few days, who's somebody? Give, give, give me a, a value guy who we should keep our eye on for our DraftKings lineup. Yeah, and this is one guy who I was coin flipping on whether or not I wanted to make him my sleeper at center. Um, but I kind of want to see if he can establish himself a little bit more. And it's Cody Glass from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, rookie who was the first pick the organization ever had a few years ago in their first uh, NHL entry draft. Um, was drafted six overall, that highly touted uh, top five in uh, in that draft it was uh, Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick, Heiskanen, uh, Kale McCarr went fourth, Elias Pedersen went fifth, Cody Glass went sixth. He broke camp for the Golden Knights as the number one center. He displaced Paul Stastny, who finished last season in the playoffs, centering Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. And in his first game the other night, Glass scored on a beautiful feed from Pacioretty, so that line already showing uh, a little bit of chemistry. He's one of those guys who I think if he can stay there uh, will have uh, a chance potentially this season between those two players to be in conversation for Rookie of the Year and the Calder Trophy, but right now you have to take advantage of where his salary is going to be in DFS, Uh, but you know it shows what kind of a player he has the potential to be that he beat out a long-standing veteran like Paul Stastny yeah. to be the number one center on the preseason favorite to come out of the Western Conference uh, for the Stanley Cup. And only 20 years old. Real quick here, James, your bounce-back fantasy player of the year. Who do you got? Ooh, man, there are a, a number of different candidates here, but I, I think that Jamie Benn is going to have a bounce-back mm. year. Um, you know, he, he had an up-and-down season. We talked about him a number of times last year. Uh, Dallas is my pick, actually, to come out of the Western Conference this year uh, and represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final. And I only think that they do that if they, if, if Jamie Benn 
uh, has a bounce-back season and, and gets back to the player we know him to be. Obviously, I think Rupe Hintz is going to uh, be a breakout player, take a step forward this year. They added Joe Pavelski. Um, I, I think that there's just so much talent around him. Uh, Jamie Benn can't have a bad season again this year. So I, I like Jamie Benn to have a bounce-back year for the Dallas Stars. James, always love it. Great to have you back, buddy. That, that's a, a tremendous fantasy preview. Thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely, Andy. Can't wait, buddy. I'll see you next week. There he goes. James Harding from NHL.com uh, does great fantasy work for them. All right, people, that'll do it. Week one, season six in the books. If you missed any of the show, get us on iTunes at AndyMC81 on Twitter at TSN Analytics on Twitter. We'll post the links there. And of course, on the TSN1050.ca show tab uh, page, you can find the whole show page there as well. All right. I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.